Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. We're here live on MalcolmRadio.com or Music Reminds Me. You already know me, I'm RC, alongside my guest. This man is 25 years old, 6'5", hailing from New Jersey, representing the world-famous Monster Factory in Paulsboro, New Jersey, the inevitable icon, making his return to Damage Radio, Mr. Travis Jacobs, representing Hello. the division, brother. Welcome back to Damage, man. Hey, man. How's it going? Doing great, bro. How was that introduction for you? Oh, it's fantastic. I Thanks for putting me over so much. <laughs> and listen, you put yourself over, man, from where you started to to now, man. It's been like night and day for you. I, the confidence level coming out, even like the heelish coming out. Like you're a great guy, but the heel even comes out, you know, I've noticed. Yeah, it's, uh, it took a lot of getting used to. I used to hate uh, having people hate me, to be quite honest. <laughs> How so? Man, I don't know. I Just growing up, I was like, damn. When I wrestle, I just want to be the guy that gets cheered, who has dope matches, and everyone loves. But now that I'm actually in wrestling, I'm like, wait, it's actually cool to get booed. Right. And be that uh, guy. Definitely. Now, I'll, first off, uh, happy belated birthday, man. 25. How's oh. it feel, bro? I feel old. Really? <laughs> I mean, hey, I say, I say that every year. Nice. You know, it's just definitely. how it is, but I'm feeling good, feeling uh, feeling alive. <laughs> This is the first time I really had a chance to talk to you since uh, COVID happened, man. Uh, COVID mania ran wild. It's still not leaving. Um, talk about the highs and lows that you personally had to go through through COVID and um, what struggles did you go through? Yeah, man. Uh, COVID just when it started in March of uh, 2020. It just kind of hit hard. I feel like when it first started, I was finally hitting like a, my stride in wrestling and then it had to just be abruptly stopped for a little bit uh just for everything to start back up and for injuries to happen uh which i'm doing good now uh from my back injury but yeah man just it was a long road to recovery and finally getting everything back into the swing of it but right now i say i'm in a good place i'm trying to travel every single weekend wherever if i've debuted somewhere debuting somewhere so just as long as i'm staying busy i feel like uh i feel like i'm doing all right you know talk about the mindset of getting injured we saw like other alumni uh guys from months factor like michael spanos getting injured and not quite getting back in that stride you with your back knowing how important the back is for an everyday job and everyday life talk about how hard it was mentally for you to come back from that yeah i mean I feel I don't know if it's just the injury side of it that hit hard or if it was just the time in the world where everything's just so uncertain and like you don't really know like how this post COVID world or currently going on with COVID world is going to have an effect on everyone because like when I got hurt I was just like damn i have i can't let this stop me and i don't know if it's just the, like i said the pressure of needing to make it during this covid world or whatever but i just wanted to keep pushing through and i honestly didn't know how injured i was when i first started um when i was wrestling through it i wrestled through my injury for a few months but yeah i just i don't know I don't know how to describe it. It's like one of those things where you just want to make sure you're going to do the right thing, even if, you know, it's not the right now, thing. Well, how, how hard are you on yourself? Is it more mind over matter for you? Or is it like, like, are you your biggest critic? Oh, I definitely am my biggest critic. <laughs> you can hear all the greatest things in the world from everyone, but I've never been someone that lets compliments like dictate how I I guess perform. I'm always trying to get better. So someone can compliment these like three things I did at a match, but I'll still focus on the one thing I wasn't happy about. Right. And now, that's just how I operate. Definitely. Now, that's a good way to way to be man, because you never can be satisfied. You always keep going one step higher. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always. That's how I try to. Uh, I t that's how I try to treat everything. Right now, one thing that's definitely on your mind is getting back that uh, and and and. MFW, um, the, the World Championship, um, yeah. uh, Mr. Eat, 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 Bobby Buffet. 
Oh, now yeah, yes. he's a big boy. If you body slam him with your back, is there any hesitation with that, or do you have another specific mindset, move, skill set you think about? So, I with my back, I am fully healed at this point. There's no denying that, and I would not ever think of it any other way, unless someone who is a paid medical professional told me to think about it in any other way. So when I wrestled Bobby, and I wrestled him last in in December, and I was doing power moves to him, had him up on my shoulders, hit some power moves to him. I my thing in wrestling has always been I want to be seen as someone that's stronger than all the heavyweights and faster than the cruiserweights. So I want to even with my back, I don't let that affect me. So I still will do power moves to the big men. And I'll still try to outpace the uh, the smaller guys too. And what's one thing you love about you know, um, you know, just like in school you do homework. Here you got to train. What's yeah. one thing you love to work on? Is this the promos? Is it the running the ropes? Is it the um, just the knowing the back the back scene of it? What is it for you? I think so. My two favorite things in wrestling, to be quite honest, have always been psychology and selling. Like every other thing, like like I always practice moves. That's something that'll always be there, and like practicing footwork, that's always important. But it's so like just going around and traveling to all these shows now. Just I see a lot of people missing that psychology side of it, where they don't like they just do stuff to do it, whether that be like just running around the ring or actually doing moves or like whatever it is they like just they don't ever give it a reason they're just like oh this would be cool but uh yeah for me i just try to like i watch all of our guys wrestle i'm a big people watcher so whenever i'm at the monster factory or wherever i happen to be training i like to watch everyone else and see what they do and how they react in certain situations and i learn a lot from watching other people and helping them which is something I've taken great pride in over the last few years in particular. Right. Well, your one match with LSG that we just recently saw two weeks ago, the match really didn't even start until like the six minute mark, seven minute mark. And I loved how you were really getting the fans involved by, you know, like teasing them for the match to go start, you know, and then going back on the outside of the ring. That's the psychology that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like so many people just, they have these matches and they understand what they need to do as a performer, but they never fully take in what's happening in the moment. They just, they want to do everything as, you know, as, as, as they want to. Right. But they always forget that we're, we're in this business for the people that come to these shows and that match with Geo uh, LSG it was honestly a very important match for me. It was one of those matches that I needed for myself as a performer because much for like, I'd say past eight months, whenever I came back now, nine months now, I had a few matches here and there, a lot of tag matches where I was able to go in and get some highlights it wasn't until I started wrestling uh, Michelle on the shows mm-hmm. where I started having these matches where I'm like, okay, okay, they're they're really good. The people are into it. We're having like a good time. But just that that match with LSG, man, just I think we went 22 minutes. Yeah. And the crowd was into it the whole time, and it's honestly just one of those moments as a wrestler where I'm like, I'm doing the right thing with my life, you know? Right. And like you said, you, you were you're like the nice heel, and they're still cheering for you during that match. You think LSG would have got like the the cheers, but they're cheering for you, man. And they're saying, you know, just go Travis, go, or you know, like. And then I was saying Travis sucks, and so like this, and that's probably a good feeling for you. But at the same time, you want to go over as a heel too. So yeah, it was like it was honestly crazy. It was the most um, John Cena esque chance I've ever had, man. Really, <laughs> honestly. Like, for like right around Turkey Slam or like the I guess the matches with Michelle 
I very much had that like the atmosphere where they wanted to cheer both of us or they would cheer or they they boo me through the match. But somewhere in there it just tur- started turning into a 50-50. Yeah. And it was definitely the uh the loudest I've heard that get and the most sustained I've heard that be since they started doing that. Really, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was re- it was really fun to be honest. Definitely. Now, uh, tell the Damage fans a little bit about, you know, they all know about the world-famous Monster Factory, but the characters behind the world-famous Monster like each person's gimmick and all that, everyone has their own little persona going on and their own little, their boom little business. Yeah. Tell the fans a little about each each of the guys there and uh, what you think they bring to the table. Yeah, man. So, in terms of personas and just wrestlers at the factory, there's there's a lot of great talent coming through there right now. And I think... Before I even get into the characters themselves, I'd say we're the healthiest roster we have had at the Monster Factory. And I quite literally want to wrestle every single person we have there right now. And with that said, we have a lot of new guys that have a lot of energy who might not know exactly who they are in this business yet, but you can see that potential on them in their movements and how they act and uh, how they can interact with the crowd as well. And yeah, just the guys that have been there that have been killing it. Like I wrestle a lot in the, in, in our stable, uh, the division Jafar, he's one of my favorite people to watch, man. He is such a good, such a good bad guy. And I am always envious of him for that because like I said, I hate it. I used to hate the idea of being booed, but really? it comes so natural to him. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Hyena Hex, he's just one of the best high flyers I've seen. And um, so many people in our group. Rico, another great, another great bad guy. And one of the best uh, trash talkers I've heard in wrestling as well. And then I obviously cannot forget about the notorious Mimi. Yes. Who is one of my favorite uh, technical women's wrestlers. She does a lot of arm work and strikes. And to be honest, she has a a spinning back kick that is comparable to Malachi Black. If you ever really? watch her, yeah, man. If you ever watch her, just watch how she drills people, man. It's okay. It's honestly awesome. Well, yeah, I was watching an interview with her before you continue. I was watching an interview with her that I did with her when she was like just fresh in the business. Yeah. You know, and now looking at her, just the the attitude and all that, and like she owns the business almost, like with with how, how she presents herself, and it's just the yeah. great. It's great to see like the like uh, how far you guys have come. You know. Yeah, it's it's really quite something to see how far she's come. I I travel with her to a lot of these shows, or booked on a lot of the same cards, and it's just crazy to see the progress from the factory shows to connecticut or minnesota just wherever we happen to be and the fact that she can make an impact on all these cards as well she um there's so much potential with her and i honestly think that no matter where she goes or where she ends up she's gonna she's gonna be something huge in wrestling and so young still you know yeah and that's the craziest part right (laughs) she started when she was 14 man and uh yeah she's just the fact that she's 19 now and she's doing stuff on dark and doing getting all these opportunities. It's honestly just, I'll say motivating, just seeing yeah. how she can do it, you know? Is that, is that one good thing that you guys have with each other is like, you know, you guys can always, you know, make sure you guys get the best out of each other? Yeah, I mean, I, so like our main thing is we train with each other like a lot, like, We'll go to training early or go to the gym. Whenever we're getting ready for wrestling, whether it be wrestling training or working out, we're always working out with each other. We're literally each other's partner. And it's always nice to have that kind of, like, I guess, friendship slash relationship with someone that understands the wrestling business, you know? Um, It's honestly, I think, one of the best things that's happened to me in my career is having being able to travel with her and yeah the fact that we can help each other the way that we can and and especially with this business you know 
having trouble, you know, having, having to have something behind your back at all times, having someone that you trust, you know, for yeah. bookings and someone that has that, you know, will be there for your ups and downs. You can't lose with that, man. Yeah, man. It's uh, like I said, just having someone like that, that understands the business. It's like, it's just honestly like a mental relief, you know, like, there were so many times like when I first started wrestling where people just wouldn't understand why I wasn't available for five nights of the week and why I'm in Connecticut one day and New York in the next for, right. you know, for whatever show. But <laughs> wrestling's crazy. Wrestlers are crazy. We do this because we love it. And the fact that we can find someone who has an equal love to it that understands it, that's honestly just a blessing, to be honest. <laughs> Now, seeing where you first started out and then seeing these new guys come in to the world-famous Monster Factory, uh, can you, like, relate to their nervousness and, and, you know, their anxiousness and all that? And do you ever talk to them and pull them aside? Honestly, yeah. I mean, like, when I first started out, I, I'll, I'll just say it, I was an anxious lad. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that one. Yeah. Like, um, in wrestling, there's a you know you learn back bumps and flip bumps. I was absolutely petrified of going head over heels. That was like the biggest. That, my first roadblock in wrestling was just being able to flip and land on my back. And I tell everyone that story. I tell everyone about like my schedule when I first started, um, like for five nights of the week for every time for like shows or whatever. I was going to college and working. I would wake up at like seven in the morning to get to my classes by seven forty-five. have like a four hour time of classes from eight to 12 drive 30 minutes to work straight from class work until like from like one to six thirty. drive the half an hour to the monster factory and get there at seven i do a bunch of cardio before training started do the training and then I'd stay like an extra two or three hours, probably leave at one in the morning, uh, one or two in the morning, drive the hour and a half home and then uh, take a two hour nap and just do it again. And I was doing that five days a week. So I tell everyone that come into the factory, like you have to anticipate scheduling like this and you have to be able to get out of your own head. And I try to, tell them that and hoping that they understand like i've been there right. please just try to listen to this before it gets to a point where you feel overwhelmed and Definitely. yeah i've had a few conversations like that with a few of our new guys i won't name them because of course yeah you know that's just uh something that they, they'll be able to talk they, about they get ribbed enough on the youtube channel yeah. oh yeah yeah yes who's <laughs> <laughs> sewing up this time okay it's you okay camera goes in the bathroom <laughs> yes of course there's always a. Uh, we have a good group of uh, ribbable guys right now. Nothing like, there's never anything that's bad or anything. It's just like little brain flubs that happen and it just sticks with them. So what's one thing Travis Jacobs would tell old Travis Jacobs when he first started that you know now? Um, that's or things, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think about this consistently, actually. I think the biggest advice I'd give to someone like Travis, just Travis Jacobs starting out or just anyone starting out is that change is okay. You know, like as humans, we have this nature that we just want to be stuck in a routine, but in wrestling, a routine isn't permanent. Like that schedule I just said with the, the school to work, the training, five nights a week, six nights a week, whatever it was. That didn't stick, and that changed, and that was okay. I went through a move, because I used to live in Atlantic City, now I live in Philly, 10 minutes from the Monster Factory. The driving has gone down drastically, and change is okay. And friend, gr friend groups change, and that's okay. People change, you'll come back together later on. Uh, the way you have matches, it'll change your dynamic, whether you're a good guy, bad guy, it'll all change. But just because it's changing doesn't mean it's bad. And I think there's positives to everything. And I'm a firm like believer that everything happens for a reason. You just have to figure out what that reason is, you know? Definitely.
now and, and of course without struggle there's no progress you know too yeah yeah like struggle is one of the key things you need to truly be successful in any endeavor definitely now um you talked about a lot you know when you first started the balance you know two hours of sleep being okay with that and also passing your classes did yeah. that help you now to maintaining a job professional wrestling maintaining a healthy relationship with your family and and your significant other and all that do you, do you ever find a healthy balance now or is it just kind of roll with it yeah i mean right now i just find it's like it just helped me be able to make schedules where i thankfully don't have to do that kind of schedule anymore um when i moved out here to philly i kept my same college but i switched to online classes so now i'm on my own schedule i can do it when i need to and it helps because I, in that time, I've taught myself how to travel, whether it be pl- uh, buying plane tickets and whatever. Now I just do my homework in the airport and I do it on the plane and I try to find ways where I can do everything together and just try to shorten my time and be able to do stuff like this, be able to talk to you, you know, because yep. if, if I was on that old schedule, I'd probably, it'd probably be two in the morning and we'd be talking to each other and you'd be half asleep and I'd have some Wawa food in my mouth and... It'd be something crazy, you know? So, like, before, when you would come out to Monka Radio, yeah, you know, that three couple times, it was literally you had to change your schedule up, right? Yeah, literally. I. So, the times when I would come out to uh, Monko, I would um, literally just change my work schedule. I'd be like, hey, I can't come into work today. <laughs> and, I'd, and I'd just take a PH or something and still get paid for it. But that's, uh, that's what I had to do because, you know, it's it's important to be able to have these conversations. Definitely. Now, as far as the business side of professional wrestling, how hard was it for you to sell yourself and, you know, get the 8x10s, get the what shirts you want, and even, let's even talk about your gear. Yeah. Like, from when you started to now, like, your gear is on point, man. Oh, thank you so, so talk much. About the, talk about the, the whole entire frame that you had to show of yourself and what goes into how you want your logo, how you want your eight by tens and all that. Yeah. So I think for me personally, it took me a long time to fully understand that side. Um, when I first started getting into wrestling, I just fell in love with the moves. I was never someone that like was into characters. I always thought the promos were cool, but I wanted to see what kind of magic they could put on in the ring. That was always my fascination with it. So when I got into wrestling and I got into this business, it took me a long time to figure out, like, oh, I need to get logos made. Oh, I need to get T-shirts made. Oh, I need to get pictures and all this. But I I think it wasn't until I, like, when COVID started, when I had to really, when I really sat down to think about what I wanted to do with, like, merchandise and exactly what i wanted to sell for travis um yeah when it, when covid first started i started to teach myself logo designing and i started taking spanish lessons i'm still taking spanish uh trying to trying to learn a second language um so i started selling the shirts with the logo i made and started selling eight by tens just to try to stay in touch with the fans you know because uh at the end of the day we wouldn't be able to wrestle without the people that are coming in to buy tickets or watching online and yeah it worked out fairly well i'll say especially because i have no information on this before wrestling right and i honestly didn't try to learn anything about it when i first started but it just got to a point where i was like oh i need to learn how to do all of this yeah and the gear you saw when I wrestled Geo and that I wear at all these other events are is done by my man uh, Brawley, uh, Jorge Vieira. He comes to the factory shows a lot. He wrestles there, and uh, he's an overall great dude. Uh, very quick turnaround on his gear, and he's hooked me up for the past say like three years now with my gear. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's any other merchandise I have right now, but. Yeah. With all that, it was uh, it was just a long time to finally learn that I needed to learn about all that. 
Now, um, talk about the business side of uh, promoting yourself as far as other promoters go that you don't know. Like, do they reach out to you? Do you reach out to them usually? Do you go to the show and just look for work in the beginning? Talk about that process. Yeah, so I I really just hate politicking. It's the one thing that annoys me to no end in wrestling. I just, I I don't want to politic, and I've never tried to. I literally just try to show through my actions that, like, hey, I'm a good person. Hey, I'm going to come in and do your ring for you. Hey, I'm going to come in and do whatever you need. And hopefully you'll, you know, one day let me have a match and test that water out. Uh, very much when uh, I first started, I would just drive around with someone. I'd hear where they were going. Um, my first wrestling road trip was with Primal Fear. I went down to Virginia with them. I was like six months in. I was just like, hey, can I drive down with you and meet the promoter and just kind of help out? So I went down. They wrestled that night. It was at Fusion Wrestling, uh, Memphis Mofo's place. Um, or Memphis Mofo, I believe his name is. Nice. I always forget because it, it has like some short abbreviation and I always forget how uh, how it goes. But Well, he's a mofo, who, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... Um, yeah, I just went there. I put the ring together, broke it down. During the show, I sold Primal Fears merch, and I just kind of, I was just like, hey, if, if you ever have a spot, I would love to prove myself, and and uh, I would appreciate an opportunity. And it turned into something. Uh, he he ran, like, once a year, so the next year I, re I wrestled on his show. And ever since then, I just kind of knew, like, okay, this is what I have to do to feel right with myself when I go to bed, you know? Now, confident-wise, do you have, like, without saying it, of course, but do you have in, in your mind a certain rate that you want since you're putting your body on the line and you've been doing in this business for a while now? So I have a few outlooks on this. It very much depends on where it is and what company and, like, the opportunity that's there. When I first started, I would specifically be like, hey, just let me go wrestle, and if you feel like I'm worth money, just throw whatever you think I'm worth. Which is never, like, it's not the best yeah. mindset in the world, obviously, because someone could obviously just take advantage of it and be like, oh, well, I didn't like your wrestling. Uh, no money for you, you know? But that's just where I was at the time. Like I said before, like, I fell in love with the moves and, the, like, the way the crowd feels during a match, like, that's what drew me into wrestling. And that's all I ever wanted to prove to promoters. So asking them to be to hold off on the money and just let me wrestle was something I was willing to give up in the beginning, at least. But now that I'm traveling around and I have experience and I can get and I can help like the new guys at whatever promotion uh, like have a good first set of matches i i start to i'm seeing it differently you know like I'm st i still don't ask for crazy amounts of money but the fact that i can still go in and do what i love is still incredible to me incredible to me and i always try to go on what people i try to negotiate the worth you know right now you said the moves is what what, what always catches you um growing up what were some uh superstars that, that you idolized and that really caught your eye so i always go on with like a top three i'll say like the top three guys i just liked when i first started watching i'll say the three the three in particular threw me in uh straight like in ring wise and he was a great character work and so actually i'll start off with when i first started watching consistently because through my entire life, I'd watch like uh, Raw here, SmackDown there, watch pay-per-view highlights or whatever. But I f started watching consistently around like 2010. Sure. And uh, the three guys from like 2010 on onward that I really like knew I wanted to be a wrestler with was CM Punk. Obviously, like come on, 2011 yeah. Punk. That's, that's a no-brainer. Uh, Daniel Bryan who I just thought his matches were always incredible, no matter where he was on the card. 
And one of the, like, I feel like the most underrated person from that time is Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. He had his United States championship reign in particular is something I still go back and watch. It's very underrated and I highly recommend people to watch those matches. Um, but like those three guys are just having these matches where every week I'd want to watch and see what they were doing in them. I mentioned earlier that my favorite aspects of wrestling is the psychology and the selling and Dolph Ziggler will always be my favorite seller of all time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Ever like ever since I watched him like do a 450 out of a monkey flip, I'm like, all right, take my money. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do this now. Um, but yeah, it's just those three guys in particular were always the three I would watch every week and want to see what moves they would like, what what sequences they would do, what moves they would do. Um, obviously the like promos were mixed in and Punk had his pipe bomb promo that year. Yeah, which uh, I I you know I love, and I love I think promos are very important in wrestling, but for me. It, specifically just the matches they had were what got me into it do some of their some of their styles come into play with you and you're in the ring sometimes it it very much depends i think i think the one guy that actually for them they were the reason i wanted to be a wrestler but i started shifting what I wanted to do in wrestling and who I started to idolize more as the years went on. So the one guy that I do a lot of stuff after Cesaro, I'd say he's probably my favorite wrestler, which changes a lot because I've never had like a true favorite. I just, I love like, I just love wrestling. It's like baseball for me. I'm a big baseball fan. And I always have a special place in my heart for the Phillies. But I just love baseball and I'll cheer on any team. You know, that's how I feel about wrestling. Um, but Cesaro, he was just... All the matches he had with Sami Zayn and NXT and just the sequences he would do and the pacing he would do. I try to do that in my matches now. And I I think in this LSG match I just had, it had a little bit of... a a Cesaro flavor in there. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, now, when, when your music hits, is that when the jitters go away? Or, like, talk about your pre-match rituals and how you're feeling in the back and, like, from beginning to now. I'd say, I'd say yeah. Um, when my music hits, the jitters do go away. Um, at the Monster Factory, I don't come out through the curtain where everyone else comes out. I come out through yeah. the back. And when my music hits, I always give it a second because people still haven't fully caught on that I come out from behind them. Yeah. So I like to, we have a TV monitor back there that can look out. So you can see when people are turning around. I'll wait until I see their faces facing back before I walk out. And in those few seconds where they're turning around, that's when my jitters start to go away. It's it's really hard to explain, but like when I first started coming out through the crowd, I'd come out while their backs were turned, and I'd start walking, and people would slowly turn. I was walk as I was walking by them, and there wouldn't be that connection there. But watching everyone turn around, and they're realizing what's about to happen with the entrance and everything, and I walk out through the curtain, and people start making noise. That's when I. Uh, I just feel at home, right. I guess. Yeah. Like, that's just when, like, oh, this is about to be a really good time, you know? Definitely. It's so hard to explain, but I, I hope no, that but, makes some sense. No, you definitely got it. It's all about timing. Yeah, yeah. Timing in the ring, psychology, timing in the ring, doing your promos, when to, when to not rush, when you really are captivating an audience and really let it sell your words. Yeah. It's so hard to, like, not just... Say it real quickly because you're so excited to say it, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's something I had to get used to. I'm very excitable. Uh, part of the like the anxious side of it is I will talk so fast if I'm really like having a good time. 
So it took me. A, I, I still have problems with it. Who am I kidding? I try, I try to I try to control what I say when I say it. You know. Oh, definitely, because that's when um when I had the opportunity um to do the documentary at the Monster Factory uh, when the interviewer becomes a wrestler for a day. That's one thing I remember when Danny says, you know, slow down, hold that pose for a little bit, let them feel it. Like instead of being, hi, I'm RC for completely down, blah, 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 blah. Really <laughs> like let them think about, wow, he interviewed Bruno San Martino. Yeah. Wow, he interviewed Terry Funk. Like let them think about it instead of speeding through it and then, then them not getting any word or he's yeah. not hearing it and think anything you say. So that's what I've learned as far as timing goes. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's something that I very much learned from Dan is making those moments mean something because much like I said with uh, being inspired by just the moves in matches, I also just wanted to do moves. So I would not like when I first started, I would get punched in the face, but I wouldn't stay down. It would just kind of ruin the flow of a match. Yeah, it was either I would get punched and keep going. Or I would get punched and be down for too long, and it just right. a minute would go by, and it just you know, yeah. the moment get was gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. got to do something else. Come on. Right. Definitely. <laughs> so, what do you prefer more, um, tag team wrestling or solo competitive? Ooh, I, I very much have a fondness for both of them, uh, especially at the Monster Factory. Just tagging the Royal for so long, uh, it's. A time in my career that I'll look back on, especially with the matches we had with Primal Fear and uh, Homicide and just everyone we got to go in the ring with coast to coast. But now that I'm getting out and finally doing more solo stuff, because even before Tag of the Royal, I had like two or three other partners at the Monster Factory. And I'm probably at this point 50-50 on tag matches and solo matches there. But uh, factoring in what I get to do outside of there, where like I'm doing six-man tags and scramble rules where everyone has to tag in, but it's a singles match. Yeah. Um, tag wrestling will always have like a special place in my heart because it's it's very hard to do tag wrestling and actually understand what you want to get out of it psychology-wise, which is why I think... I, I slightly prefer singles wrestling okay. because it's a three-man dance, you, the other guy, and the ref. Yeah. And when both of you are motivated to get the best possible match you can, and you have a ref who is also like you know very competent and can help you guys get to that point, it's a magical feeling that I've never experienced before. Like I said, like I said, I had that in tag wrestling too. But there's just something about singles wrestling that just hits a little extra. Yeah. Now, do you do you understand Danny's mindset now regarding wearing so many different hats at the Monster Factory? That now that you see like Sammy Miami now and NXT refing, you know, yeah. and and all that. Like, do you like in the beginning when you first started, we do you not understand that, but now you do. Um, I do. I do get it. It's you have to be able to be flexible and like do whatever job you can do or that that you're asked of to do. He he was in a very good place at the right time, Sammy, and I'm glad that he was able to get to that point where he can sign a contract and be able to be in wrestling for his entire life now. Yeah. It's one of those things where you never know where you'll be when someone needs a specific role filled so it's good to have every area accounted for per person you know definitely we were, well we were on the topic of tag team wrestling as well um a cocky tag team that's not losing their their uh their, their steam the golden air <laughs> do you think there's anyone out there that can defeat the golden air i mean at our at our last event they did lose the tag belts and I believe on February 19th, or the 26th, my, uh, yeah. my apologies, February 26th, they are facing Primal Fear, yep. which I am very excited for that match. They are yeah. six of my favorite people, both teams. 
And I very much think that uh, they could possibly lose this one again. Two losses back really? to back. Yeah. You think that's possible? I mean, yeah. I mean, I beat them up all the time. That's both, true. Good both point. sets, you know, I've, both, yeah. I've beaten both teams a fair amount of times. So. Well, it's a warm up for you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. So um, let's go back to being thankful. Cause that's the kind of guy you are. Like, you know, like you go try to put on that persona, but like I can definitely tell that you're one of the, the good guys that look out for people. Talk about signing that first autograph. How did that mentally feel for you? Was it awkward for you or was like, talk about that feeling, man. I actually remember exactly when I signed my first autograph. It, funny enough, wasn't at the Monster Factory. Um, I had my first match at the factory in September of 2017. But my third match overall was a month later at a promotion called Mawa. Made a Mid-Atlantic All-Star. I can't remember exactly what it stands for. Mawa. It was in uh, Mount Ephraim, New Jersey. And I wrestled Twitch before we were a tag team. And I I was the face. He was the heel because he had more experience. And that's what we needed to do do on the night. But after the match, I had like six kids run up to me and ask for autographs. And at the time, like I said, I didn't have any 8x10s because I'm like, oh, wait, wait, what? Merchandise? What are you talking about? I just want the wrestling. Oh, my God. (laughs) And uh, my first autographs were done just straight onto their shirts. (laughs) <laughs> they just were That's like, cool. hey, here, just sign our shirts. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I did not think about this when I decided to become a wrestler. And it was, like, awkward when they asked. But then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I did something cool. And right. you like that. And uh, and you might want to do this when you're older. So I'm glad that I can be of assistance right now and help oh, you, like, fall in love with it. Now, let's talk about, you know, people wanting to just meet you in general, like yeah. people maybe less fortunate than us, whether it's a disability or money wise. Talk about that feeling, man. How great that is that people in a wheelchair wanted to take a picture with you and how close it hits the home. Yeah, that's that'll always be my favorite part of wrestling. Uh, I actually had this conversation a couple of days ago with Mimi. Um, I just. There's something about feeling like you're making a difference in someone's life that just kind of hits home. Um, I don't know. It's just like even when you're the bad guy in the ring and I make a point of when I'm doing stuff to look out to everyone and see people's faces and I can see like the look on the kids' faces like – whether like no matter what you're doing no matter what the emotion is just you can see them either enjoying what you're doing or hating what you're doing depending on what's needed yeah. but when when you can see them like having a good time and liking what they're seeing and fully being invested in you as a performer like just think about it on like a deep level it's like oh I might be the reason that you fall in love with this or the reason you're already in love with this and the reason you might pursue this when you're older. And even if they don't pursue it, just the fact that I could potentially make a dark day that much better is just something I don't take for granted. And I I don't ever want to get to the point where I do because I feel like a lot of guys and girls lose that side of it where they start to forget why we do this or maybe they never understood it in the first place and it never crosses their mind but it very much is one of the things i think about when i'm in that ring it's just uh either you know either post-match or during just trying to be that role model or just trying to be that guy that they can look up to definitely because, you know, I asked that because, you know, my background and what I do on the side, you know, and yeah. the things that I've done, the people who I used to work with, you know, giving them an opportunity, you know, when, you know, maybe all they want to do was just be a co-host on anything, you know, you yeah. make that sacrifice to make someone else's dream come true and it makes them feel better inside too, you yeah. know, and now I'm at a high school working with special needs kids, you know, or high functioning kids 
and helping a kid who doesn't know how to tie his shoes at 17 years old. And you're like, and one time, like, where is someone not helping you out? But at the same time, I'm working, I'm doing a fitness class with him off to the side because he's, he's embarrassed. And all he wants is, I'm like, I, I can breathe. I feel so great about myself right now. And like, it takes one second to make someone's day. And we always complain about, you know, oh, we got this. Oh, this girl's talking trash about me and all that. It's just like, if we just stop and think about how blessed we really are, it can turn your day around like that. Yeah, it's it's so true. It's honestly just, it's it's really crazy what you think. Like, you could say like one sentence to a stranger and that can positively impact their life forever. Definitely. And if you live life with that mindset, you live a much healthier and happier life, in my opinion. Definitely. Now, um, 16 states, man, you've been to, right? 15 now. 15. 15, 15 yeah. man. Uh, this most recent one, Ricky Ray's and uh, Charlie Haas yeah. in Texas. Talk about what was it like, man, rolling around the ring with Haas and, uh, you know, you got a picture with him. And what's going through your mind when you talk? Like, how many questions did you have? Do you, you know when I ask too many questions? Talk about that experience. Yeah, it was honestly crazy. And I will say it was crazy how it came to be in the first place. I flew down to Texas because there was a seminar advertised with Charlie Haas and Jeff Jarrett. But as I was on the plane to go there, I got a notification that Jeff Jarrett's flight was delayed and the seminar was canceled. And um, I messaged the promoter. I'm like, hey, I, I'm still flying in. Can I come and hang out and just, you know, help with the ring or help with setup or whatever you need? Told me to come in. And I was the first guy there, uh, or one of the first guys there. I'm not sure how many people were actually there because it was a big, pretty big venue. But I got there around like 2.30 in the afternoon, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. And I just watched all the guys go over their matches and everything. And Charlie walked in, and he was there with his sons. And um, the promoter walked up to me. He's like, hey, I'm sorry that the, the seminar got canceled earlier but a little bit of like a prize, so to speak. Uh, you can have a one-on-one -on -one seminar with Charlie Haas. Wow. Yeah, and honestly, that was just worth the flight itself. It was, I, I wrestled him for probably the better part of 45 minutes, just one-on-one. -on -one. And... Yeah, just the little movements he does and, like, the little tricks he has and, like, just what he does. I am very glad that I was able to learn that. Dude, he him. still has it, huh? Oh, yeah. he. I don't think he ever lost it. <laughs> That's awesome. But, yeah, man, just, it's just crazy. Like, one day you can be in one town and then the next day you're wrestling someone whose matches you've been watching for years. Right. Now, what other veterans have you been in the ring with that, that you learned from? Did you name a few? Yeah, so I mentioned him earlier. One of the guys I, I learned a lot from was uh, Homicide. Uh, Royal and I wrestled him and Bull James for the Monster Factory tag titles a couple years ago. Yeah. And it was just one of those matches where we had nothing called. We just kind of went out there and felt the crowd and uh, just kind of did our thing. And... Every time that I've ever done that, I've learned something, but it was doing that with Homicide was very cool. And uh, yeah, very much a learning experience. I honestly just, even if we don't do anything in the ring, just this past weekend, even talking to Ricky Reyes, talked to him for like an hour and a half, and I honestly think I learned so much more than I could have learned if I was in the ring with anyone else. <laughs> Are you talking back him to come back home or no? I'm trying, man. I need a I need my one on one with him. Yeah, I've never had a one on one with him at a show, and uh, that's definitely one thing I want before uh, we get to separate it. Definitely. Now the other uh, 14 states that you wrestled at, um, any uh, radio radio friendly uh, road stories you can tell us? <laughs> um. So I think the funniest thing about road trips is I am awful with the GPS. 
we always happen to be in a place that has the same exact street address in two different parts of the state. Uh, there was one time where we were going down to Virginia for a show. Uh, I believe it was uh, myself uh, and Unstable. And the the card was at a was at a high school. And I believe the high school was Tappahannock High School. The problem is, there's two of them in Virginia, and they're two hours apart. Oh, jeez. And we drove to the wrong one first. And I was like, well, it is time to speed. <laughs> and probably 10 minutes from the venue, we got pulled over on a highway by a cop. Which, the funniest part, we were only five over the speed limit. And he still pulled us over and was like, those aren't Virginia plates. I'm going to have to give you a ticket. Oh, no. <laughs> speeding here. Here's your ticket. And it didn't matter because this was a charity show for, I forget what the charity was, but I'm like, hey, we're going to this charity show where wrestlers, can you, it's like 10 minutes. Can you, can we just head on over? He still held us up for 10 minutes to write the ticket. <laughs> and, he, and he didn't get out of the ticket? Nope. I, uh. Dang. I just I just paid it online. I was not gonna fight Go that back one. To Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And we showed up at the venue probably ten minutes before pre show ended. And I believe I was the second match on the card, so it was of a little course, stressful. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Always. <laughs> but that was it's happened a few times and I doubt unless someone just takes the GPS from me, it's yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen again you know definitely now if someone wrote a book about you of your career yeah through life through professional wrestling what would the book be called oh what would it be called hmm. that's a really good question actually damn i might have to come back to that one i don't know if i have an I answer you, off the top of my you head have to answer on saturday then on Saturday? Perfect. I'll answer on Saturday. I'll think All about right. it till then. So do you have a favorite quote you'd like to live by? Yeah, actually. It's a um it's a quote from my high school, actually. And still to this day I remember it verbatim, I believe. And I can't tell you who wrote it. I can't tell you who said it, but Every day before we had practice, we would go to this rock at our football, um, at our at our arena, and uh, we would recite it as a team every single day. And it's called, or it goes, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to quit, oh, damn. Oh, it's been so long since I've recited it, damn. Oh, no. Um, I have to pull this up now. If you think you're beating the yard, if you think you did not, you don't. If you like to quit but think you can, it's almost a sense you won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. For out in the world, you're fine. Success begins with a fellow as well. It's all in the state of mind. Oh, that last verse, though. The last verse is the truly inspirational part. I have to find it. <laughs> you're going to hit me up at like 11 o'clock at night. I got it. Yeah, I'll remember it. I thought I remembered it. But, damn. I, I'm gonna find this now because I can't I can't leave you hanging. So while you're looking for it, um yeah. you have a dream match in, in mind. A dream match. Ooh. So I have two answers for this. Uh specifically as someone that grew up watching, you know, a lot of wrestling. I very much want to wrestle Cesaro at some point. That's like that's mm, chef kiss. I need that yeah. in my life. And there's so many other people that have inspired me through the years that I'd like to be able to at some point. But in terms of coming up through the Monster Factory, and a match that has happened once, but not at the Monster Factory, I would love to wrestle Adrian Soriano in Ooh. a singles match. He will, uh, that's the one 
match that I feel like I need to have before my journey at the Monster Factory uh, ever comes to an end. If you know, if the climbing up the ranks. But yeah, those are like two of the matches I constantly think about that I want to have. Nice. All right, and I happen to find that quote as well, which nice. Okay, we got to end it strong, man. That's yes. Good. All right, it's a little bit. It's four paragraphs, but it's not long. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like to win, but think you can't, it is almost a cinch you won't. If you think you'll lose your loss, for out in the world you'll find, success begins with a fellow's will, it's all in the state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger, faster man. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. And, I like it, man. Yeah, I used to have that in my wallet. I have changed wallets and lost that, which is why I'm certain I forgot how it went. But I used to read that a lot, uh, especially when I first started wrestling. But it's been a few years since I felt like I needed to hear those words. Right. But they feel pretty powerful, man. Oh, yeah. And if anyone wants to look that up, it is by Walter D. Wintle. And you can Google that. Now, February 26th, MFPW returns to Paulsboro, New Jersey. What should the fans be in store of? You're going against Brutal Bob Evans, Congo, and Tim Hughes, man. All veterans in this business. Again, you're being tested, man. What do you have to say yeah. to them? What do I have to say to Brutal Bob, Wildman Congo, and Tim Hughes? First off, I respect all of them very much equally. And this is an opportunity that I've wanted ever since I first met them all, especially. But they're coming into this match as the veterans who have been there, done that, wrestled the who's who, and, you know, have had killer matches, have won titles in various states. So I tell them to not come into this match with that mindset. They're coming into the Monster Factory with the supersonic champion, the true middleweight medallion holder, and one of the best damn high flyers I've ever seen. And, yeah, they just can't underestimate us. Or we're going to run through them. We're going to put them down. And we're going to send them back home. Beaten, bruised, humiliated. And truly lay claim that no one, no matter who you are, can defeat the division, and no one who is a man, a woman, a child, and no one in existence can defeat the supersonic champion, Travis Jacobs. And I will continue to prove that every single night, no matter who's in that ring with me. Well, supersonic champion, Travis Jacobs, throw your social media link out there one more time so people can, people can follow you. Absolutely. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Instagram and Twitter at the Travis Jacobs. Travis Jacobs for both a Facebook page and a profile page on uh, on the Facebook. So, yeah, awesome man. Well, Travis, thank you so much for always believing in completely damage, giving us your time of day, and um, as always, man, best of luck in the future, man. Oh, thank you very much. I expect to see some shirts at this next show. I need my right, completely damaged shirt. Uh, I'll, I'll bring them back out, man. And remember, right. fans, don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on moncoradio.com or music and minds meet. Completely damaged.